0: Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. This is JR. I am the host of this show. I am here today with a man. I'm going to pronounce all three of his names. I know how to pronounce his name because nothing about his name is uh, out the ordinary. Andre Lewis Carter. He is here with us today. He is an author. He is a person that has been around a long time. We don't call you classic. We don't call you old. We say that you got wisdom. So the the amazing question that we ask uh, Andre on this show is this. Who is Andre Lewis Carter? The floor is yours.
1: Okay. Uh, first off, appreciate you uh, uh, not calling me out as old. Uh, uh, I kind of embraced that. But uh, who I am, I'm a uh, retired Navy veteran, and I started writing while I was still in the Navy. In fact, if you believe my mom, I started uh, telling stories before I could actually write. I'd show her my little stick man and give her background on each character. Uh But I actually started thinking of myself as a writer probably 2003. Uh, But uh, yeah, and uh, obviously I've done other things with my life. But uh, uh, this is my debut novel, came out this year. But I've also been writing short stories and poetry and uh, plays for a very long time.
0: Okay, so let's get deep into this title real quick. And I want you to break down once I say this title. I want the meaning behind this title. Between the Devil and the Blue Sea.
1: It's between the devil and the deep blue sea. And that is a, uh, that's a nautical term uh, that uh, means there's a conundrum, meaning that there are choices to be made and none of them are good. And that's uh, the case with the protagonist and the antagonist in this novel.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this, Ari. So this obviously, um, it has a little bit to do with your life, correct?
1: To a degree? yeah, I'd say yes. All right. Uh, so no, no, it's really time... not the exact circumstances, but yeah, it does. All
0: right. So, so the time period, that is what's amazing here. Tell the audience about the time period and why you chose this time period.
1: Okay. The time period was early seventies. And, uh, uh, one reason, of course I was there, but, uh, the other is, as I started writing this story, I started out with a situation and a character. Okay. This guy needed to escape for some reason, uh, But then as I started writing the book, I started noticing the parallels between the early 70s and the time I was writing the book, which is about 2016, 2017. uh, I had unpopular presidents in Nixon and Trump. We had a war we thought was never going to end in Vietnam and the Afghanistan. Uh, We had the Black Power Movement then, the Black Lives Matter now. We had the Feminist Movement then, Me Too Movement now. So as I saw these parallels, I was like, well, I wanted to get that that in there as well because th- th- things haven't changed that much. I mean, there's still the same problems that we had in the early 70s are happening now.
0: And, and like uh, from being from that time period, uh, answer me this. Has there been any uh, progress or has it been a, uh augmented progress?
1: Uh, there's been some progress. And certainly, I was... Faked out like everybody else when uh, Barack Obama was uh, elected president. I didn't, didn't think that would happen in my lifetime. But uh, as soon as Trump was elected, I mean, it's, it became pretty clear that a lot of the problems uh, held from the 40s and 50s are still lingering today.
0: OK, so um, what was the, the the theme of this book? Because because we'll go into the author aspect of writing real fast. because I like to get mm-hmm. everybody's different take on um, writing. Right. What was the what was the initial theme that you came with? Like, like you were you were sitting there, and you know, I don't know if you were on a computer or if you were writing or if you even had a typewriter. Because I still to this day, mm. um, paying homage to my mom, she bought a brother typewriter. Oh yeah, <laughs> and we still. Whenever I'm doing a composition or something, I, when I'm back home in Virginia, I will go <laughs> get on it because it's just something magic about it so how did you start out writing how did this process start and what was the theme that you started writing?
1: well for this specific book I actually started out on the computer uh back in the day when I first started writing I always hand wrote everything uh I did have a brother computer I mean a, a brother uh typewriter myself so I used that but now I usually, uh I'll, I'll use the computer but I also if I'm not home or whatever I'll also write it longhand Because ideas come to you all the time.
0: All right, so you 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 get your time period, your theme, and everything set up. You start writing, and there's something that happens to every writer. I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. A portion of your book makes you stop for some reason. Were there any periods that you stopped writing this book because it was emotional, or something? Something took a toll on you, and you had to just take a step back.
1: Yeah. Some of the similarities between me and the protagonists, yeah, to remember that is, is not always fun. Uh, part, part of the things that's covered in this book is the uh, history of uh, racism in the military in general and the Navy in specifically. So uh, some of the things that he went through, I went through as well.
0: Okay, and that's understandable. And I, I like that in the gym in this episode, you just laid it out right there. You put that interaction, the actual experience, the feeling that, you, you know, it's history and wisdom along with that. And that's something that yeah. you just, it's, it's hard to capture, you know, if you weren't there. Because mm-hmm. some people can write about, write, write fictional pieces and different things about time mm-hmm. periods, but they weren't really there. So you were there. So being yeah. on the forefront, Um, if you don't mind me asking, how long did your naval career last?
1: I was 30 plus years. Wow. Yeah. So so, so I, was, I was enlisted for about nine and a half years and I got commissioned. I was an officer
0: the rest of the time. Okay. So you've seen the technology change. You've seen, oh yeah, uh, you've seen the whole atmosphere change and, and it was a, a culture now in the Navy in any branch of military. I've been told that you, you assimilate to certain uh, things that go on in, in the Navy. And mm-hmm. obviously um, in that 30 year period that you were in the Navy, did the racism subside?
1: Actually, I don't think so. Uh, it was kind of ignored initially when I enlisted, uh, but as time went on, especially coming out of Vietnam, the, uh, the leadership of the Navy came to see that, hey, we, we need to take this seriously and start addressing this. And it was mainly because uh, it was appearing on the nightly news, uh, you know, the uh, uh, riots and the dissatisfaction of uh, service members who were in the military uh, that was uh, on the news nightly. And uh, the thing that maybe finally started to uh, take it seriously and do things like okay. uh, like, like having sensitivity training and that kind of stuff.
0: All right. So basically the same thing that we got going on now, even in the, the right. business world, you get a certain type of HR appeal <clears throat> to things and then the HR has to make a plan and, and show something on paper and, and show something uh that's tangible but yeah,
1: well, something one, oh no it's just gonna say well, yeah one of the things that came out of it was they created a uh new rating uh called the counselor and that was part of their job was to talk about uh being uh more sensitive to uh to d- the different d- d- diversity that we had in the navy. okay
0: okay now, let me ask you this. Uh, so, you you know, you're done with the military. So, 30 years from, from the 70s and up put you into 2000. And you said you started writing this book around what, 2016?
1: Uh, I started correct? writing the book in 2016.
0: Yeah. All right. So, 2016, you're piecing things together. Did COVID have anything to do with um, pushing your book uh, further to be completed? Or what happened between 2016 and 2020?
1: So okay. I'm writing uh, this book. The, I actually finished the book about 2019, which was right before COVID. Uh, so it, it affected the launch of the book. I think i get pushed back a little bit. And then, of course, trying to do everything virtually, you know, launching a book virtually is a real challenge. And so marketing was certainly impacted greatly by uh, COVID. I couldn't do the live readings and that kind of stuff that I like to do. But, uh, yeah, so... Yeah. COVID is still, as you know, still having an impact.
0: Okay. And and I'm glad in this, like this warms my heart up to find that your product is something that did not come out of COVID because so so much stuff, and I know this is off topic, but so much stuff, a lot of creativity came in that period and then it's gone Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Everyone has has moved on and gone on to other spaces and different things Mm -hmm. like that. So getting back to the author's perspective and portion in this uh, podcast so you, you hit that writer block at some period, you fix yourself, mm-hmm. you're, getting your, you're getting your book into the final stages where you're about to pass it off to people mm-hmm. um, and using different um, historical facts and different things because you were there. Actually it's your life. It ain't even facts. It's real life. Mm-hmm. Um, using different naval ships and different things like that. Um, what was your, and this is just uh, part of the book and uh, part of just your personal opinion on this. What 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 was it like writing about that experience on being on a ship and different things like that, uh, mm-hmm. compared to your reality? Because when you're writing it, it's a, mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's, it's augmented, mm-hmm. you know, it's a right. portion of how you feel and then how it was, but it's right, more of how correct. you feel while you're writing it. So how mm-hmm. did that play out?
1: Well, I actually, enlisted. Uh, the, well, the uh, uh, the big payoff at the end of the book takes place aboard the USS Kitty Hawk. And in October of 72, the only documented race ride aboard a US Navy ship, what happened on the Kitty Hawk. And my two, you know, the protagonist and antagonist end up there. And amidst all of this hullabaloo going on, that they have their final confrontation. Uh, I, I enlisted in 75, which was three years after Kitty Hawk incident. And the Navy was still reverberating from the impact of seeing this on the news. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, there, has been some things changing, but as far as me being there, uh, yeah, I was seeing a lot of this stuff firsthand that, uh, you know, the, uh, low expectations that they paint you with and that kind of things that, uh, you had to get over basically, basically you had to be, you know, better than everybody else. So there was a lot of that going on
0: so so being in the navy built your self-esteem up and it crushed it at the same time is that what you're telling me say that again building up your self-esteem it built up yes. your self-esteem and crushed it at the same time basically
1: yes because as, i mean there was no real support you know except for each other you know you could you could talk to your brother about uh you know man you know it used to happen today but uh yeah there was no really no support it's uh uh, perseverance and being stubborn and using that anger that when people tell you you're not you're never going to be able to do that and you say oh, well yes I can you know and uh, that so so a, a lot of my success was uh, driven by you know trying to prove people wrong.
0: Okay so in, in writing this uh, you 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 have accolades you have a background in writing Mm-hmm. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that background that you have in writing? Because the reason I, I, I say that is this, because people write books every day and because of the COVID and because of how easy, uh, what is that thing called? Kindle has Kindle has a little place that you can go over and write books. Uh, uh, okay. but, but, there, but there's, there's it's such an easy avenue for people to write books. I didn't say they publish them, but right, right. so many people feel, you know, that they're trained to write a mm-hmm. book now. Yeah. So please tell us about your writing background.
1: Uh, I would say, like I said, I was in the Navy and I was going to school. And uh, I just happened to, I mean, English 101 was like numbing. I mean, I just, it, 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 if that was the only class I'd taken, I'd never uh, try to write. But I did take uh, Creative Writing 101. And I was like, "Wow, well, that's pretty cool, you know." And I just started trying my hand at writing. Uh, initially, it was poetry. That's what I got published first. And then I moved on to uh, uh, plays and then short stories. I've written a couple of screenplays, and it's just it was fun, you know. And a lot of times in the Navy, I wasn't having a lot of fun, so it was nice to find something to uh, you know, be creative and uh, at least write stories for myself, if not anyone else
0: okay so thank you for letting us know that and the reason I did that for you guys uh in the audience uh, that's going to be listening later is this because people that have a background in writing and you go to read their books and different things it's a different take than what this new age writer is Mm -hmm. and I've done quite a few interviews with these new age writers compared to trained writers to classically trained writers to Mm -hmm. just people that just call themselves the best-selling authors on earth. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a difference in all that. So getting back over to the book and getting back over to everything that is Andre Carter. Mm -hmm. Here here, here we go with this one. So the book, you wrote it. Mm -hmm. It's time to get it proofread. You go through that process, which that's something that everybody talks about, blah, blah, blah. But we're not going to do that here. I want to go to the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. When you had to give that book to someone to read, to Mm -hmm. critique it, how did you go about doing it and how did it feel when you got the critique back?
1: Okay. Uh, first of all, I was blessed to be in a writing community. So there were, other, I, I knew writers who wrote professionally and I used some of them as my trusted uh, reader. And of course, you know, I had to let my wife read it. Uh, she's also, uh, uh, she was an educator. Uh, so yeah, uh, basically people that I knew that were serious readers, that uh, uh, that that could give me constructive feedback, just not that I don't like it, but this didn't work for me. That type of thing.
0: Okay, okay, mm. and I like that because that there, you know, after you got all this criticism, and, and it's certain things that you have to tweak. Because as a human, mm-hmm. we think we we think linear when we're doing something like
1: right. When we're yeah.
0: doing a podcast. I think the way that I hold the mic is the way that it's supposed to be. But a guy told me that the mic needs to be tilted. Look at a uh, look at it and get it going 32 angles away from your from your face. Mm-hmm. If you do that, you're gonna get better sound. When you do it like this, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> it's just right,
1: yeah, you know, yeah.
0: you're you're good. So you, you refine the book and <clears> refining <throat> the book and then going back to yourself and reading it again, because that's the process. Refine, read again. And then when you're reading, you're putting yourself in a in a different position because you're like, hey, it's not how I want it. To sound to me it's how i mm-hmm. need to portray it to everyone else so how mm-hmm. did you get that technique because i don't that's the technique i don't have how did okay. you get that
1: technique uh well i stopped counting after rewrite number 15 so it's, it's basically rewriting rewriting uh maybe pass it to another person after the fifth rewrite and see what okay you still have the same problems with it or you see other, any other problems with it. Uh, but yeah, and at some point, I read it out loud uh, to see if it sounds like, I mean, d- the uh, does the speech sound like something someone would say in real life, or as I remembered it back in the 70s. So it's just a, a lot of trial and error. And uh, like I said, I rewrote that thing, I don't know how many times. It was a lot. <laughs>
0: Now, so you get your book published, and when exactly did your book come out? Exactly,
1: came out in January of this year.
0: January of this year. So you get your book out here, um, people gravitate to it, and this is a weird marketing and advertising deal than before because, like you said, it was you could go out and you could do things physically, and you know you could move around, and even in the virtual sense, you could do certain things. But it was certain things that were limiting. you yeah so what was something that you felt because of COVID and, and just in general like because you know we got monkeypox and everything going on what do you mm-hmm. feel is something that you wish that you could do in promoting and marketing this book that you haven't been able to do yet
1: yeah I really wish that I could have uh gone out and done live readings at like libraries or bookstores or whatever uh because you get a lot of good feedback and uh Basically, if they like you, you know, they'll tell your friends about you. Yeah, they, yeah, this guy's a really good reader. His book sounds really interesting. Maybe they'll actually buy it. Uh, but, yeah, the interaction with people is uh, what I miss the most. I mean, yeah, you, do, you can see them on virtual and all that kind of stuff, but it's not the same to me anyway. Right.
0: Yeah, it's just like it's like this. And, and to me, in society, and like I spoke to you earlier in a pre-call with the type of job I do, I travel, and mm-hmm. even where I am now, it's like, it's something still missing. It's certain elements because you see people at ball games and you see people going back out to concerts, but it's like, I remember life in the nineties and eighties, mm-hmm. you know, we're not on that same kind of plane anymore. So no, getting, get back in and to not go off on a tangent on something else. Right. So the book's out now, where can people find this book and where can they uh, read it?
1: Uh, the usual suspects. You can find it on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, Bookshop.org. So the, most of the main places that you find books, you can find it there. And uh, I have a website as well, so you can go there and read it. That's andrelewis.com. Or I'm sorry, andrelewiscarter.com. Um, and of course, the uh, publisher is Akashic uh, Books and Kay Jones Books. You can t- also read about it on those two websites.
0: All right, and can you get a physical copy of the book?
1: Yes, uh, um, like I, I know my, my local bookstore actually had it, uh, but uh, yeah, so it's most bookstores should have a copy as well, and uh, even my my library has a copy and. Uh, that's because I wrote like half of the book in my public library, bef- you know, prior to COVID. So, yes. that was that was cool.
0: All right, so one thing I want to do, their audience, and I want to encourage this, uh, because this helps out too. Definitely go out and buy the book. But if you are a patron at a library, mm-hmm. if you request a book to come to your library, your library will put money out to get it. Yeah, in turn. In your library system, and this is uh, just a, a spill because I deal with the West Virginia Library and mm. PBS and stuff like that. If you put it to a library system, they will buy books for every library within the system. So that's how you truly help an author. You can go out and, and I want you to do all the things to get on your Kindle or wherever you want, mm-hmm. but the true physical sense, buy the book definitely from you, mm-hmm. but request it in your library because that's how it becomes an archive in the places that, you know might not necessarily get reached because we can do all the promotion and all this amazing stuff on earth. Mm -hmm. But if one person in Toledo, Ohio, one person in Tulsa, Oklahoma, one person in wherever in Vermont, Mm -hmm. gets that book sent to the library, thousands of people can read it. And then people will want to hear more. They will want to interact. And Mm -hmm. the the part of uh, marketing that gets lost now is that Authors want fan engagement. They want to hear from you. They want that. They need that impulse. Right. Not saying it in like a like in a weird way, but mm-hmm. you know you want that kind of interaction. So definitely uh, reach out. And once again, he did an amazing shameless plug. That's something that we like to do on the show. Mm-hmm. www.andrelewiscarter.com. Yeah. Over there on his website, we're gonna sw- swing over there real quick. Over to the website, um, you will see over there. It says his name at the top, and it's got the hyphen uh, or accent mark over Andre. Mm-hmm. um, home, very curious arts about events, contact and newsletter. And then you can go over to his bio. Mm-hmm. When you go over to his bio, you're going to find out information that even I didn't know, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. once you get that, that information from there, you can mm-hmm. find out about a one act play. He wrote, mm-hmm. you can find out more and more about him. You can find out, um, about, uh, his life about the amazing person that took his pictures because he's got some amazing pictures on here. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't take them himself. No, and, I <laughs> and, and, uh, once you interact with him, then you can get the greatest story on earth mm-hmm. and the greatest story on earth beyond his book is the story of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, being married and having someone to deal with you as an author to, yeah. to hold your hand through that. Cause that's the support that no one ever talks about on a podcast. Right. So let's yeah. take two seconds and let's just give your wife, give your family a big shout out on this. And I, and I need to ask a question. We're going to go in depth real, real fast. And I'll do that in just a second, but uh, I'm going to ask some questions about the support that you have at home and, and the support that um, we should all be giving to your book. So mm-hmm. Andre, real quick, I pay homage to 2020 news magazine. It came on TV. It was my, you know, I, I grew up with Tavis Smiley, but that was later on. Yeah. My first bit of news, my first bit of journalistic integrity came from 2020 it would be John Stossel would do some little comedic thing, which that was fine. Diane Mm. Sawyer was probably a better interviewer, but Barbara Walters. Yeah. She could, she could ask questions Mm. that she was like the female Larry King. Mm -hmm. She was, she was to me, Ted Koppel is the the greatest Mm -hmm. to me. She is the female Ted Koppel. I mean, anybody can say Dan, Dan rather or Peter Jennings, whatever, Mm -hmm. but just, you know, Peter Jennings was just that six o'clock news or whatever, but a world news. So, so let's go ahead and get to these personable questions so now you're on the spot this is these are your 2020 questions are you ready yeah yeah okay so you wrote this book this book came out in January mm-hmm. we we measure success in different definitive ways yeah I measure success like this if I'm doing better than what I was doing a year ago mm-hmm. I am successful If I'm at one level and I move to a new echelon, Mm -hmm. I'm doing better.
1: Yeah.
0: I I don't base it on the financial structures or the idea of a superlative or some type of reward making me feel like I'm better.
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: So right now I need to know how you measure success and how do you feel about your book at this moment?
1: Okay. Uh Um, As far as being a writer, uh, to me, that's a mindset. You don't, you know, you're the only one who can decide what you are, who you are. So if you decide that you're a writer, you're a writer, whether you're published or not. Uh, But as far as the book, yeah, that is a big milestone for me. Uh, Because I've been publishing short stories and that kind of thing. But uh, I actually have a novel that uh, people I don't know think is worthy of publishing. Yes, that was... uh, That that was a big one for me. Uh, And then the, uh, you know, the the love you get back on Instagram and Facebook from people you don't know uh, and the uh, reviews and Amazon, that kind of stuff. Uh, It's it's not that I I was hoping for any of that, but it certainly helps to uh, um, it certainly helps to uh, let you know that uh, it's you're not wasting your time and you're not wasting other people's time.
0: Okay. Now let's get deeper into this. All right. So you you got the book out there. It's been out. It's got it's got eight full months underneath its belt. We can say nine, but we'll just go with eight. Eight full months under its belt. Mm-hmm. You've been out here promoting it. Um, you're out here, you're doing podcasts, you're taking every avenue that makes sense. Yeah. So let's let's just jump off the deep end. <laughs> if you had a chance to advertise your book mm-hmm. on a billboard mm-hmm. and we're going to say one will be in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. one will be in Seattle. We'll put one in anywhere in California in mm-hmm. the Midwest, the Midwest since it's so big. I'm not going to pick St. Louis. We're going to just go with Ohio because it's closer to me, but it's the Midwest. Okay. <laughs> You're going to put one in the triple C, which is Columbus, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. I don't know if you've ever been to those areas, but
1: yeah, I'm actually from Columbus.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. 614 all day
1: long. Yeah, Eastside? Yeah. East, east, are, are, right. east yeah. mm-hmm. are you Eastside? Uh, Eastside? Eastside, uh, I grew up mostly uh, in the Linden area. My parents went to East High School. Uh, okay. I, yeah, I grew up in Linden.
0: All right, crazy thing, my mom was born, was raised, oh. she lived on Seymour Avenue. Do you know where that's? At?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh Ooh. their last name, just to be funny, their last name was Higgins. It was a bunch of Higgins out there. So yeah, a
1: bunch of Higgins, yes.
0: <laughs> Higgins and Pennells.
1: And uh didn't know a lot of Pennells, but I knew a lot of Higgins.
0: Yeah, a lot of Higgins. So my mom's from out there, she's about 64, so you never know. But anyway, that, that was a take there. So you you, hmm. you 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 want you want to advertise a different method. What would be the way that you would advertise? Now I'm gonna get put a filler in here so you can think about this. The one thing I always wanted to do with my podcast advertising, I wanted to go back to, to Columbus because that's a place that I love. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up there, but I spent a lot of my life. The last three years, I've been in Columbus. Okay. I want to live in. I want to live outside outside of Columbus, not in it, but like Canal Winchester, yeah. you know, in the, out in the suburbs. Right, but right. I want to go to I want to go to Polaris Mall and just set up, mm-hmm. put a microphone here and just talk to people in that area because. Just, it's something about Columbus. It's, it's magical to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm,
0: I'm trying to tell you just it's something about the city. And I'm not talking about those people over in Hilliard with all that windy stuff.
1: Right, yeah.
0: It's it's, not, it's just something magical. I could set up anywhere. Downtown doesn't matter, even about a library going. Mm-hmm. I would just want to set up, do a live show, just hear from actual people what they got going on and what makes Columbus probably the best place in Ohio. Y'all yeah. heard me say that.
1: Yeah. I I would agree because I've been to Cincinnati. Uh, I haven't been to Cleveland, but Toledo, Cincinnati, that area. And yeah, no, Columbus is is certainly the best. If you're going to live there, live in Columbus. Yeah,
0: yeah, no doubt on that. So how would you advertise different? What would be your way, like just off the deep end? How would you want to advertise this book if you could?
1: Well, I guess... uh, taglines you know you know movies have taglines I'd, I'd give the yes. book a tagline something like he had to travel two thousand miles to find himself or something like that uh, <laughs> so yeah know, that's what i would and you know of course had the cover up there
0: um, okay and where so, they can find the book all right so let's do a little role playing. that's something that we do in this so i'm gonna give you something big because obviously we kind of got some things in the same veins with ohio If you had a chance to do a TED Talk and talk about your book, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you somewhere nice. We're going to go to Ohio State University. Okay. We're going to go there, and then I'm going to get you to come closer to where I live, because I live in West Virginia, but I'm closer to Athens, so the University of Ohio. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. You
0: got these two places, and let's go even further in Ohio. We we got a good Cincinnati. (laughs) And there's, we don't care about any college in Cleveland. No offense to my Cleveland people that listen, just, you know, <laughs> Akron's up there. So we'll say Akron's. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so you're Zips. going to the, all the, yeah, the zip. So if you're going to go to all these prestigious u- universities in Ohio, and I know I missed some Bowling Green and some other stuff, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, What would be the expression on your face mm-hmm. in the first line you would tell people during this Ted talk about your book and about your life? Cause you've traveled everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, you grew up in Columbus. Columbus was mm-hmm. tough. Yeah, You won't, won't know. So, what would you say to the audience?
1: Oh, uh, well, first I thank them for coming because you know you can do anything with your life, and uh, coming, going to the, the particular TED talks. To, um, yeah, so I would thank them for that. But then I, I would tell them something about me and uh, what why I felt writing the book was important. For instance, uh, the the incident that happened aboard, uh, I'm sorry, let me get this. Okay. And I would, uh, want to emphasize some of the things in the book that, uh, aren't widely known, uh, such as the, uh, documents that I used to describe the, uh, racism that was going on in the military are real documents. You can actually look these up and read them for yourself. Uh, the, uh, and of course, the event that happened on board the USS Kitty Hawk, many many people don't know about that. I mean, a race ride on on a U.S. Navy ship, and uh, why is that important? Well, because that's part of our history, that's part of American history, and that's something that I think should be remembered. Uh, so, that that would be the gist of uh, my opening.
0: Okay, and I like that, and that's strong there because, like I said, history that's not told. Properly, because anybody can throw it. Yeah, if at all, anybody can throw something in one of those Glencoe, McGraw Hill books and just say this is the history and just go on. So I greatly appreciate that, and I thank you for being brave to do that. Because you know, there's ways and means for people to be silenced, not yeah. death or anything. And I'm not saying anything weird like that, but you know, do you know how life is? They can just find weird ways to do stuff like that. Yeah. All right, so let's get deep now. Your book. We've talked about it's been out for a while. You got the support of your wife and your family. What is it like having to let your wife know the day after you've completed your book, it's been sent off to proofread and it's going to be published. What is it? What was that day like when you had to tell her that this book's coming out? It's a reality.
1: Oh. Uh. I'm sure she first off surprised that uh yeah, this is actually happening. Uh but then uh you know, pride. Uh she, she was proud of me. She's happy for me, she was very happy for me. Uh and I guess uh some pride in that she had something to do with it as well, being a proofreader. So yeah, it was it was a happy time.
0: All right, and, and what type of dedication and devotion does it take? from someone when you're a writer like, what what is that like how, how do you explain her devotion and her dedication to you because wow. I, I never asked that before but i, I want to know
1: Well, she has to have patience <laughs> you know because uh as i said i wrote a lot of it in the library or starbucks etc so i'm gone man. you know i mean that so she had to share me with this idea that i had in my head that i was trying to put on paper so uh yeah props to her for uh sticking with
0: me (laughs) (laughs) all right so you get to this point this is the most serious question you write this book and you're finished and and, you know you're not finished writing you're going to do some more work Mm -hmm. but it's a lot of self-care that went into the book it's a lot of mental anguish that you had to give up it's a lot of stuff that you had to as we say, you had to give up the ghost on, you yeah. had to decide that it was time to heal from this because mm-hmm. we all have some type of trauma. Trauma happened somewhere inside of here. Yeah. And you and you had to let that go. So what was your, after the book is done, cause you know, you don't have that self-care mechanism anymore. Mm-hmm. What has been your mechanism to keep yourself whole? Because you know, when you write a book or you do anything creative, even doing this episode, you give a part of yourself away. Mm-hmm. And when you get that part away, you don't get it back it's never reciprocated the way that you produce it. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, like an extra, I always say it's a, it's a shard of my heart going out to the yeah. world.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so what does that feel like now? And how do you handle the mental anguish and the things that go along with this? Because you gave part of yourself to the world to heal mm-hmm. and help the other people help all of us. And to give a story, give a historic account on um, what happened on that ship. Mm-hmm. And you know, in that story, people are going to see the characters and they're going to see the bare emotion of what was going on with you. So mm-hmm. how do you cope and deal with that now? How do you, what do you have in place now to take that void away?
1: A uh, couple of things. Uh, first off, uh, and something that they don't really tell you about when you're writing is marketing. I mean, the writer, has the, the days of uh, uh, the publisher doing all the advertising and setting up the interviews and all that stuff, that's, that's gone. <laughs> uh, you're responsible for a lot of this. Uh, so that, that was one part of it, but the other is write something else. I mean, don't stay stuck in, in, in that uh, mindset that you were in that you had to get into to write these stories, write something else. And uh, so I'm writing a screenplay and I'm writing a start at my second novel.
0: Okay. So you're, you're staying busy with it. You're not letting nothing uh, move you on any type of different ground. And I like that. Mm -hmm. Now to end your, this is your last 2020 question. (laughs) And this is the hardest question to answer this question. Like it takes some fortitude to answer this one. Like this one, you got to go really dig deep into yourself. Mm -hmm. And this question is about disappointment and regret. So. And the reason that I do this, and it's not a negative point, it's a point to help writers, it's a point to help content creators, it's a point to help every man, woman, non-binary, whatever you want to call yourself today. Mm-hmm. The regret with me, mm-hmm. and I'm going to use this as an example, even with this, this episode, mm-hmm. the regret that I have inside this episode today is that if I had done our pre-call, I would have known way more about you than I know now. You're from Columbus. You've got ties, even though it maybe it's indirectly. Mm-hmm. You are from a, an area that I call my second and third and fourth home. Okay. My mom is in close relation to you at some point somewhere.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> you know, my family is probably somewhere in, in deeper in times of railroad and different things that went on in Columbus. Probably back in the day,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they yeah. could have worked side by side. They could have worked, you know, anywhere. Mm -hmm. and that's crazy that there's a connection there Mm -hmm. so that's my regret my disappointment is that i should have had better prime questions Mm -hmm. to pull this up early on in the interview i should have pulled it up when i talked to you in that that few two or Mm -hmm. three minute pre-call we did before this so you see what i'm saying about the aspect of disappointment Mm -hmm. and regret it's not the fact that it's going to be something that lingers forever Mm-hmm. But it's just those things that I can look at and I say in a not positive, but not a negative like that. These are the mm-hmm. things that I made some mistakes on them that I, that I want to that I wish I could have fixed. I won't be able to now. I mm-hmm. can live with it. And we've had a great episode thus far. Mm-hmm. Those are my regret and disappointment. So the world needs to know this in writing that book, mm-hmm. finishing it, having it on your coffee table, having it in a stranger's house we won't use Toledo. We'll use Dayton this time. (laughs) Shout out to everybody in the air force, but anyway, Dayton. So if somebody in Dayton has your book right now and they're reading it, they like it, they, it's part of their life. If they could understand the regret and disappointment you have inside of that now, what would that
1: be? Okay. uh, My cousin lives in Dayton. So I'll, to, she she's read it uh my disappointment would be that i didn't take myself seriously earlier in life uh you know i'm you can see all the gray hair and i'm just published my debut novel so yeah that's that's the one disappointment uh the one regret is that uh neither of my parents were alive uh when this when this was published and i would uh you know they were there when some of the poetry and uh or the screenplay and the plays were done but yeah to have them read the novel would have really I mean, that would have been you know whether they liked it or not but it, it would have really uh meant a lot to me
0: well let me ask you this and this is a deeper question mm-hmm. have you made that trip back home to see them and let them know about your book
1: since i've since the book's been published no uh and again that's because of COVID. i mean yeah yeah I, uh, I i have some pre-existing conditions that don't uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to get on planes right now
0: right 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 yeah,
1: yeah.
0: but it, but in spirit though when that because you know me because i i had uh my wife passed away or whatever um mm-hmm. so we mean you know about that light that comes down from the sky yeah when since since that time you know when they shine some rays of light on you don't you Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, out there and you know that they know about this book and i know you read this book out loud and yeah. you know they're right there with you in spirit and and, and you know you know any love when you lose because i lost my father too you know when you know sometimes that shining moment when they're over you so you know that they know about this book and they're proud of it right yeah and, and, and the thing is is that inside that book they're in there somewhere oh yeah something yeah. something your mom and dad told you you know it's there mm-hmm. so 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 having that that's not a regret or disappointment because the thing is that they have seen your book. They've been there with you for your book. They've gone everywhere. So, so you can scratch that off your list. Mm, okay. Yeah, cause I, I want to tell I want to tell you that. Cause you really think about it uh, in the physical, you can keep that, but mm. in the spiritual realm and in just your essence and who you are, you didn't, you can never see your facial expression cause you see the camera, but your face changed a little bit when you started thinking about you like, Hey, they yeah. were here with me. Their arms were around me. Their arms are around me right now as we're speaking. So take that with you to the bank and you know they're there so definitely can't put that on your regret or disappointment list i can say this the physical sense yes i can understand it because things you know you want to be there see it but Mm -hmm. the great and amazing thing about this world is is you can read out loud and you can pass that along to someone and someone in your family Mm -hmm. this close by it's in dayton it ain't that far away
1: Mm -hmm. they know yeah Now. yeah and i've talked to uh My father's sister is still living, so uh, she knows about the book, and we've talked about it, Uh, and then, of course, cousins. So, yeah, I I have had feedback from family. I just haven't been able to get there and see them.
0: (laughs) And in due time, in due time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm glad we got that one in there. Now, to wrap this thing up here, Mr. Andre Lewis Carter, everyone has a mission statement. I have a mission statement. I stole it from a um, poem by Charles Swindle, which is the uh, attitude poem, uh, mm-hmm. 10% of, you know, 10% this, 90% of what happens or no, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I follow that as my motto. That's my mission statement. I want people to read attitude by Charles Swindle, follow it in life. It'll get you way further in life. Mm-hmm. So what is your mission statement?
1: Oh, I try to be true to myself and tell the story that, uh, will mean something to people. So I, I'm not going to be a, a writer. You know, I'll never be a romance writer or that kind of thing. I actually want to uh, try and explain the world to people in some way. Now, the first step is uh, the first goal, of course, is to write a good, interesting story. But I also want to uh, say something about the world that we live in
0: okay and i like that now i'm gonna say this at the end of the show i give a testimony because i've met you we've become friends over this episode i've learned about you (laughs) we got it we got indirect history yeah yeah (laughs) so 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 here's one thing that so there here's one thing that i heard the whole time when you were writing Hmm. or talking i didn't mean writing you were talking um there's a big adjective and it's a noun at the same time and it's yeah it's a noun sometimes Integrity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're telling a story, even with fiction involved, you're telling someone else a story too. Yeah. It's things you've seen, it's things that you witnessed, it's things that you were a part of. Mm-hmm. And it's your story, but it's someone else's too. Mm-hmm. Having integrity to tell someone else a story when they're maybe not, they may not be here, or just in general. It takes a lot of fortitude. So I want to thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Next thing I want to do inside this testimony is this being black we don't know, we don't like to use race as anything or anything like that but being black in the 70s mm-hmm. it's a story that is not told because when I think of the 70s I'm gonna be hundred percent honest with you I think of across 110th Street yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's what I think of and I don't know why but I'm gonna Curtis Mayfield I'm gonna get on that later on mm-hmm. but That's what I think about the 70s. That's what we were taught. We were taught that 70s was this and that. And the word Mm -hmm. crack comes along in the 70s. I don't know why. But Mm -hmm. so you don't hear about these gripping stories. You don't hear about that. Not from our perspective. Right. You hear about all the, uh, uh, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. went on in the 70s. You know, you hear about the the Burt Reynolds type stuff and all the other things that going on. like that, But you don't hear our story. Mm -hmm. So I hope one day that this can get turned into a screenplay because... We need that in life. I, I, like,
1: uh, I like that. Uh, and, and I have to say that one of the books that influenced me was uh, Sam Greenlee's uh, The Spook Who Sat by the Door. And those kinds of stories weren't being told in the 70s, but uh, it's a great book. Uh, it, it was a great movie too. But uh, yeah, that's that was one of the first literary type mo- novels that I read that was, wow, this, he's actually saying something here. And it makes sense. And certainly after I was in the Navy, a few years it's like oh yeah this (laughs) this was head on
0: (laughs) okay now to finish this out um being courageous writing this allowing your book to come out in the time that it did Mm -hmm. because you had a choice in any matter with doing it you put it out at the beginning of the new world this january is the new world that we're living in yeah and it's not the same Mm -hmm. it's different It is not a more cautious world, but it's a more lackadaisical world. Yeah. And hopefully it'll pick up steam and creative juices will come back. But I want to thank you for bringing art and form that was from before COVID into this generation. It may not seem like much of a feat to you right now, and it may not even, like, tickle your fathom or anything like that. But just think about this for one second. You could have wrote this in COVID-19. And it would have been like every other COVID-19 material. I had free time to do it. So I just wrote it, but you yeah. didn't. So that right there, that, that, that just screams a lot to me. Um, then the next thing, support, knowing that you have support in the world and being a support in the world. Cause I could hear it and how you were talking and how things went on. And then just a the structure when you talked about your mom and dad. And your face did a little something different you might not know like i said you're not gonna notice it but your face did a little something different so knowing that you're a caring person and stuff like that that goes a long ways because in this world and day and age common decency morals morality are things that we kind of teeter-totter with mm. the morals people just don't have the morality is this people think that oh I don't have to be common. I don't have to be nice. I don't have to be presentable. Mm-hmm. And when I say presentable, I'm not talking about a norm or nothing like that. Being normal, right. I'm just saying being presentable in what you do. And you're professional and you do that. Mm-hmm. And you showed in this episode a few different arcs about yourself. So people will become more personable and they'll know that there is an authentic you mm-hmm. outside of your book. Because you can hear it, you can see it in the book, mm-hmm. but you hear it in the podcast. Okay. So I want to definitely thank you for that. And well, I, as our send-off, go, go ahead.
1: No, well, I just want to go, say, uh, I really appreciate you having me here. Uh, this has been a good conversation, and uh, I'll, I'll definitely be listening uh, in the future.
0: Okay, so to finish this off, I need you to give a special shout-out to everybody that was involved in however form or fashion you want, because I know there may be a lot of people in the name, but mm-hmm. please give these people their flowers today. Okay. (laughs) Because the the reality is that sometimes we don't do that. Mm -hmm. And it's the minor part that becomes Mm -hmm. major when we're gone.
1: Okay. Yeah. uh, Certainly, uh, Kaylee Jones, who's a fantastic author and editor, uh, and all all of my classmates who we, we call ourselves the Why Nots. Uh, because why not us, you know, <laughs> as far as publishing goes? Uh, so all of my classmates uh, and certainly family who've given me feedback, uh, my aunt, uh, Verdell, uh, Uncle uh, Arnold, uh, Phillips, both of them, um, and then, then uh, friends who knew me when I was in the Navy, and they read this and they said, yeah, I, re- I remember things being like that. Uh, so Ruby, uh, D. Ferguson, Steve. Uh, Man, so many. Billy D. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, they, there's, there's a lot of people.
0: <laughs> okay. And um, audience. Yeah, Please plug the book real quick. Let them know the name. Know, let them know where they can find it. And let them know how they can interact with you so that they can know more about the person behind the book.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the best way to interact with me is uh, my website. Uh, certainly, the, if you uh, write the publisher or ask questions of the publisher, they can also contact me. Uh, so, they, yeah, those are the, the two main ways. But also, if you leave a uh, uh, a review on Amazon, I mean, I I'll agree that and uh, I can I contact you based on that information.
0: Okay, and I like that, and I thank you for that. So as we end this podcast, I am JR, the host of West Virginia and Commonplace. I have had on this show today Andre Lewis Carter, talking about his new book, talking about life, letting you know about the 70s, and letting you know about support. And that's a theme that I want to leave. Support is a big thing in any community. Doesn't matter your black, white, Haitian, immigration or whatever. Mm-hmm. You have to have support and then when you have support with something that has a good motive no ulterior to it just a good motive yeah. a book like this a book that depicts history fiction in all in one one realm it covers events that people do not talk about and do not acknowledge mm-hmm. that is a key thing in society everybody's so quick to jump on this digital age of this this and that And instead of embracing reading, no matter if you read it on a telephone, no matter if you read it in a physical form, it's still reading. Keep that. And when you go into this holiday season, you got some free time, a little bit before Halloween, right there before, while you're making Thanksgiving dinner, it would be amazing for you to get a hold of his book. Take it. Read it in any form or fashion. Now, you know, if you need to get it before the holidays, definitely order ahead of time because you know Amazon will not deliver your stuff. But make it a point to, to hear out this literary work if you don't read it. It's available on Audible also. Um, so there's many fashions to get this. If you're not the, a reader and you just want to hear someone read it back to you, you can go over there also. That's one thing I forgot to drop in there. And on that note, I'm Jr. And we're signing off.
1: Thanks again for having me. And uh, if you want to hear me read, get the Audible, because I'm actually doing the reading.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, we're out.